If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's heretic happy hour. You know, every once in a while, it's really important to sit down and ask yourself the important questions of life. And I'm glad you've made the right decision to listen to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast today, because we are going to really, we're going to get metaphysical. That's what we're doing here. This is the Let's Get Metaphysical series, brand new series we're doing, and uh, the kids love it. And it's going to be a pretty special episode. So I hope you have your favorite beverage and you can just sit back next to the roaring fire, put your feet up. And just get ready, because we are going to rock your world. My name is Keith Giles. I am one of the three hosts of the Heretic Happy Era podcast. I'm the author of a couple of books, uh, most recently one called Jesus Undefeated, Condemning the False Doctrine of Eternal Torment. Uh, Get it wherever fine heretical books are sold, uh, but mostly on Amazon. And um, I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Jamal and Matt. You know them. You love them. You can't live without them. Hey, guys, introduce yourselves. Hi, friends. So good to be back on the Heritage Happier podcast. My name is Jamal Javanji. I am the author of Living for a Living, which came out last year, which is also out in an Audible format at audible.com. So if you like to listen to books, you can always listen to Living for a Living. And I, I love the fact that we're in a, a metaphysical series, meta meaning beyond, mm-hmm. the physical meaning the physical, and which mm-hmm. most people would agree that life goes beyond the physical. But as soon as we start talking about it, people get freaked out. They're like, what do you mean? There's such a thing beyond the physical. But even though our entire faith is kind of kind of rooted in that. So anyway, I'm excited to be in this in this topic. Yeah, and I am too. And I'm excited to be over the flu. Of course, uh, my name's Matt DiStefano. I also have some books out. Uh, most recent, Devoted as Fuck, Cha-Ching, and uh, of course, from the blood of Abel and Heretic, all on choir. So, um, yeah, excited to be uh, not under the weather anymore. You were healed. Um, you were healed. After I, I was. Episode. I, I was did an healed. About miracles, and you were I, healed. Oh. I gotta. I gotta give it to you. I gotta change my tone. Woo. I gotta. I, I. I was healed. Um, no, I mean, I. I think my immune system worked. So um, I'm happy about that. And speaking of immune system, it is an important time to have. A solid immune system, isn't it? And I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I. Our sponsor cannot, cannot, you know, uh, cure the coronavirus or vaccinate you from it. But if you eat healthily, and if you eat, from what I've read, mushrooms contain vitamin D, and vitamin D is good for your immune system. And they have this cocotropic superfood cocoa drink mix. They have adaptogenic mushrooms that are the perfect addition to your coffee. And if they could do nothing else for you with all the information that false information out there about things, and I'm not saying coronavirus is false information, but the, the hysteria that people have and the, um, the lack of focus that they have when something like this happens, like people, uh, clearing out entire whole, uh, um, uh, shopping aisles. Uh, shelves of toilet paper and wearing masks when they're not sick as if it's going to prevent you from getting sick, which it likely doesn't depending on what mask you're wearing and all this stuff. You need focus. So you need to get on this. You need to get on this wild food stuff. You need to get the mushrooms, the turmeric and the cocoa powder. And you're going to save money as well. If you use happy hour code 12, 
12% off your order if you go to wildfoods.co. It's going to give you that focus that you need so that you aren't making bad decisions in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy hour 12, guys. Don't forget it. Oh, by the way, and, and speaking about the coronavirus, I, I think it's really important to touch your face, right? That's what I've heard. Touch it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Be sure to touch your face. No, don't do that. Don't listen to Keith. You know, wash your hands and keep your hands off your face, damn it. <laughs> and, and take care of your immune system. That means healthy eating. That means healthy lifestyle choices. Do the best you can for all this kind of shit. Not just for coronavirus, for the flu, man. I mean, my, my immune system obviously took care of me, but, you know, if I was washing my hands more and not touching my face, I probably wouldn't have got it. But hmm. Or you were healed. It was miraculous healing uh, or that well, been, could have been that as well one one or the other whatever Get god the glory man come on quibbling we're quibbling well i do god gave us immune systems i think that's glorious <laughs> yeah it's amazing uh, it's amazing uh you know speaking of fake news we um we actually uh have a hotline why is that fake news that, that's breaking. fake news i thought that was i thought that was real news man well, breaking well you know breaking news we have a hotline let's see everybody get up in arms about this because you know, uh, this is this is uh, this is kind of like in the line of fake news. Because um, mm -hmm. if you've listened to this podcast, you know that we've announced this before, so it's not actually a new. Um, this uh, is actually not something new. You know, I've noticed uh, that. And, I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I think but we can make it that. sound like it's new. You know, hey, we have a hotline. Everybody, get excited. Yeah, just like the flu. You know, yeah, like it's some big some announcement, but it's just something we all knew that. Yeah, it's an, it's another strand of the flu, but yeah. it's brand new. <laughs> anyway, here's the number to the hotline: two four zero three four three seven three seven nine. Again, numbers two four zero three four three seven three seven nine. And the cool thing about this hotline is that you can leave a message anytime. You can leave a voice message. You can text it, and I think we actually have both. Um, so let's 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 queue up this voicemail real quick. Hey guys, I just want to let you know a couple things. I'm Lisa Martinez. I know Keith, short time listener, and long time if you want to have a label of deconstructing Christian, but even longer, well, I don't know, even longer, I'm a yogi. And so, Jamal, I see you. I see what uh, the ideas about vibrations and the manifestations. However, also as a bereaved parent um, from a traumatic event, I just am asking you to be mindful, especially in regards to talking about the child and um, Bethel Redding, um, that anxiety or anxiousness in some circumstances especially is normal and natural and valid. And, um, and if if God or the essence, the universe, cannot comprehend that or hold that or have space for that, um, then I just don't think that's a adequate theology or adequate uh, philosophy. I instead believe that it's a natural thing. Anxiousness is a natural thing, just like death is a natural thing. And that the miracles sometimes happen not in the ways we want them to where the child comes back to life, actually. But after a time of growth and understanding, the miracle can maybe actually be you reaching out to others around you 
after you've experienced tragedy and horror and trauma in order to bring love and um, hope and peace to others. I believe that might be the miracle. So, uh, yeah, I just, again, I understand the desire to talk about how to um, manage anxiety, but yeah, it, especially in traumatic circumstances, it has to start with anxiety is normal. And that sometimes the prayer or thought or imaginings of a anxious heart is understood by the divine compassion. I would not say sometimes, I would say all the time. Understood and accepted just, just as a parent would. So I just wanted to get that out there. Um, love you all and keep doing what you're doing because it accompanies me on my walk up and down my little mountain here in El Paso, Texas. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm. All right. Well, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. My friend Lisa, who's a yogi and he's walking up and down a mountain. Um, <laughs> but no, was, I think that, that was, was pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. She was a little out of breath here. I could tell. Um, but I mean, it was an interesting comment. And thank you, Lisa, for taking the time to, to leave a message on the voicemail about that. Um, I know, I honestly don't remember exactly what we were talking about. I mean, I guess we were talking about the, uh, prayer, the, the, the Bethel thing, the, the baby and yeah, that died. Uh, this was last episode, right? Talking about miracles and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I mean, I don't know, I guess I would agree with what she's saying. I don't know if, if you guys have any thoughts about what she's saying. Well, well I, I, I feel like we should let Jamal speak because she directly addressed yeah, Jamal. It seems, yeah, it seems like that. Yeah, I think she was probably referring. No, actually, what I heard her addressing me is with agreement. She was saying she feels my vibe. Um, but I think what she was bringing up was anxiety. This this thing, like it need like just to be careful not to like dismiss it. That the standpoint is is that God, the divine, can ex- accept it. It's actually normal. And I think that's in a response to something we were talking about last week, which was, I think I made the comment that most prayer is ineffective because it's pr- it's done in anxiety. So there's mm-hmm. a sense of anxiety and then we pray from that place. And obviously most prayer is done from a place of, oh, I have a problem. I don't have something. I feel anxious. So let me, let me cry out to this God up the upstairs somewhere and ask for help. And that is how we're constant. That's how we're like conditioned. And I was just refuting that saying that's actually a recipe for, for ineffective prayer. And I kind of use this, this passage from, the Bible where Paul talks about, do not be anxious for anything, but with Thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. We kind of unpack that. So I think, you know, one of the challenges we have in a, in a, in a podcast conversation that's short like that is that you can't, I mean, people hear from their own vantage point. So she might have heard me say that anxiety is not normal, which I did not say that. She might've heard me say that anxiety should not be accepted or that God can't support or contain that. And again, some people may say that. I, I'm definitely not saying that because I deal with anxiety all the time in my coaching work. Um, and the first thing I tell people in coaching is you it, it is a welcome conversation to be accepted first and foremost. Anxiety is actually not a problem. Anxiety is actually a conversation that your body's telling you. Now, I would go on and say anxiety is not a state you want to live in. And if yeah. it's perpetually happening, then that's a problem, yes. 
because it is not a state where health and uh, it's not a state where you, you can move forward in life. It's, it is actually debilitating. So, um, but it is a welcome conversation. It is a needed conversation. It should be accepted. And totally my understanding of the divine is that there's total space for it. It just means that we were having a conversation specifically about prayer. And I think that's kind of the context, but I think her point's valid. I think what she said is valid and should be stated because we didn't really have an opportunity to unpack that in the podcast. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll be, I'll be real brief um, in my response, but uh, yeah, I think, I think it's obviously a great thing to talk about. I think her points were valid. I think I'm right there with you, Jamal, that anxiety is a a conversation with our, (laughs) ourselves and our body and what our body's trying to tell us. And we don't want to live there because uh, it causes health problems. It causes mental health, physical health, all that kind of stuff. Um, high blood pressure, it, it causes all these things, but those responses are good because then if we're listening, you know, we can, we can, you know, have that conversation and say, okay, well, I, I recognize this. I, I don't judge it. I just label it. I see it for what it, what it is and, and then learn how to deal with that so that you can live like a balanced life where you recognize anxiety and, but you don't stay there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, and I think, um, you're right in, in, in this sense, Jamal, that, um, it, it's a much more difficult, nuanced conversation. Um, I guess what she's talking about, it is not necessarily what we were talking about. Um, I think, you know, she's, tr- she's looking at it more from the perspective, uh, as someone who's gone through grief and some pretty deep emotional trauma. And we were talking, as you said, more from the standpoint of, uh, prayer, right? Approaching God or just approaching, you you know, recognizing um, the the posture you need to be in when you're in this place of prayer, um, which is, I think, a little bit different than where she's kind of hearing it from, which is more like more specifically this idea of dealing with grief and trauma and those kinds of things. And th- I think those would be two different conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And... And uh, I think we have a text that came in. So if we could cue that up. Hmm. Okay. Text quote from a listener. I am curious to know your views on reincarnation. I hope you will consider this topic as a future podcast. I love your show. Thanks for all you do to encourage me. Unquote from a listener. You know, okay. I have some bad news. I have some bad news. We we cannot cover this topic in a future podcast. No, I can't. We can't do that. We can't. You know why? Why Jamal? Why Jamal? You know why? You know why? Because because we're going to cover this topic in the present day podcast in this podcast. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) unbelievable! This is incredible, though. Like this text is like so appropriate. To our, to our yeah. So, and Perfect. we actually have, wow. yes, I know totally. And we have not only that, we have a heretic of the week who's going to help us get into this topic. So, is this time? Can we can we get into that? The heretic I of the week. I think we can. I Let's think we it. can. It's the heretic of the week. Hi, I'm Katie Valentine, and I am a heretic. Hi, Hi Katie. <laughs> Katie, it's so good to have you on the show. And this is Matt, by the way. And we were chatting right before we started recording and realized 
<clears throat> you pointed it out that we're both in Chico, California, and I had no idea. I didn't either until you know two minutes before I got on and we started chatting. So that's really fun. Yes, I live in Chico, California. So we are practically neighbors. It's not a very big town. No, it's 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 gotten bigger after the fire. But yes, um, yes we are we are sitting fairly next to each other just across uh, across town here, which I think is awesome. So welcome. Thank you. This is so fun. Yeah. So what we like to ask our guests um, starting off is why in the world would people consider you a heretic? <laughs> people would consider me a heretic um, because I am not a biblical um, literalist and I help connect Christians to the metaphysical world. And so that's my claim to heresy these days. I talk about chakras and angels and meditation and yoga, you name it. If it can help connect us to the metaphysical world as Christians, then that's what I help people do. So yoga, isn't that, don't you open up demons into your <laughs> into your soul when you do that kind of stuff? Yeah, I get that's a, what it's all about. <laughs> I get accused of this on Facebook all the time. But as of yet, no, no demons have entered me. So I feel pretty safe and secure. With that's how they yoga. knew that that's how they know they're doing a good job right seriously the- yeah i'm totally fooled <laughs> uh, it's so, amazing how yoga can actually just connect us directly to you know to ourselves to the divine and a little a little movement goes a long ways with the wonderful bodies that god has created well, t- talk about that for a second. Do you do you teach yoga here in town? Oh my goodness, no! I'm a I'm a beginner. I go and receive the instruction, uh, but I do go to the Chico Yoga Center. So it's a great uh, yoga center in Chico for anyone who might be around here and is listening. Well, that'd be me. I guess I might have to do some of that. <laughs> yes, that can we can have coffee and then yoga. <laughs> there we go. Or d- isn't there goat yoga now? Or, or <laughs> I haven't co- tried that. Yoga? <laughs> Keep me informed. Hmm. Yes, yes. Well, Katie, first of all, it's such a pleasure to have you on uh, the Heritage Happy Hour. I was got to host a conversation with you on my podcast, the Lovecast, and um, it's it's uh, I find it fascinating that you are bridging uh, two worlds that almost never come together, which is metaphysics and Christianity, and um, I, I love that. And I, again, a lot of folks who would, you know, I think there's this. And this may be just my perception, but being from a former pastor and in that whole evangelical world, there's folks that I feel like when it comes to metaphysics, dealing with energy, chakras, uh, meditation, all these all these things that people from a Christian, especially a theological background, have a tendency to say, "Oh, well, you can't be serious. Like uh, that's that's all New Age. That's you can't, you know." you really can't be a serious theologian and really take these things seriously. And what I love about you is that you're a doctor of theology. <laughs> You've actually, you're actually a new Testament scholar. You're, this is your work. You've, you know, um, and so you're, you're, you, you're really familiar with um, you're very biblically, biblically literate is what I would say. And you're still engaging in, in this process of metaphysics and, um, and energy work and, and helping people come out of this. How did, how did you, as a theologian, somebody, I know you wanted to be an academic, you wanted to teach and that kind of thing. And how did you come into this line of work, which is quite different than probably what you originated? How did that happen for you? Oh my gosh. It is very different than being a professor somewhere. Um, when I was finishing my PhD, but I think it's actually the metaphysical practices that I had that a enabled me to finish a PhD, which is um, a really long, tough, <laughs> psychologically draining process. And after that, I was applying for jobs, you know, I was getting interviews, but God was really directing me to do other things. 
And when I began to put the pieces together, I realized I had been engaged in the metaphysical world for almost two decades at that point. And I can really trace back an aha moment that I had when I was in the very first year of my PhD program, um, maybe the worst place to try to incorporate metaphysics <laughs> into your life, but really good if you can manage to find someone to help you out. And I attended a dream class. I didn't, it wasn't even for credit. I didn't get a grade for it. The professor opened up the doors to anyone who wanted to attend and we would work our dreams together. And I began to realize that people were coming and having similar dreams. You know, five people would show up and they'd all dreamed about the same random symbol or the same random animal that was in their dream dreams. People were having kind of psychic dreams of their of their future um, that were coming true. People were really doing deep work. And I began to see it was more energetically connected than I had ever suspected. And this was a huge lifeline for me, huge aha moments. And everything started um, unrolling from there. And I began to see that, you know, even in my adolescence, God had placed people in my path to help illuminate this world, this energy world that we all exist in. We're, we're, we're all, I, you know, I, I tell my people, my tribe all the time, we, we are extensions of the earth. We are earth creatures and we exist in this energetic world. You know, so from there, I learned about chakras and dived into angel meditations and even really, really heretical things like past lives and more. <laughs> and just, I love helping people live the fullest life that they can possibly live as Christians who are also incorporating this metaphysical world into their daily faith life. Wow. Did you say past lives? I did. Is that okay topic for yeah, this? I think podcast? I think so. I think oh yeah. <laughs> Every everything's okay here. Can you say I love that about the Can podcast. you say more about that? Like how does that cuz I'm telling you Christians most Christians would be like, well, this idea of uh, that life extends beyond the physical human body. I mean, they would agree with that on the post end but they would not agree with that on the pre end. Like there's some, for some reason there's this rule out there. It says Christians cannot believe that life started before conception. So, but they believe it can happen after death, just not before. conception. Right. So can you, which is, I find it perplexing once you start to take that apart and go, what is the fear in that? Where there's a, there's a real deep fear of even entertaining that idea in Christian circles. And I'm curious as to how does the, how do these two worlds specifically connect for you? Yeah. So the two worlds connect in um, really through experience for me. Uh, that's how it began. And then I began to do my research because uh, I like research because I was trained, <laughs> I've been trained to do that. For me, there's this question of, like you said, where does the soul begin? Does the soul exist before we are born into human bodies or not? And so Jamal, it's so interesting. Um, you, you said that, you know, most Christians will agree that there's a soul after the death of our human body. But I'm actually curious as we're engaged in this conversation for everyone, if you grew up believing that the soul existed before you were born. Because I find Christians are on all over the map on this. Uh, I, I, my tradition was no, we, that we come into existence at the moment of conception. But I, I find that just to be a simple belief that's really not rooted in in anything uh, other than just conditioning. Because you know, um, when I start to look at well, there's passages. And here's one of the things that started to get my attention was when Jesus would say things like he would start talking about a reality way before his birth, and um, the disciple or the the Pharisees would be like, "Well, wait a minute, you're not even 50 years old, and uh, you claim to know Abraham or speak in a reality in a way that, that, that associates you with Abraham. And he says, well, before Abraham's born, 
I am. And like really uses that. And of course, in the, in the way that's, that's repackaged in the Christian tradition is, well, that's Jesus speaking like Jesus because he's the only, you know, God man on the earth. And, um, you know, he's really just, you know, appealing back to his Trinitarian existence before his incarnation. But I think that's, that's, that's reading a lot of post Christian, you know, post first century ideas into the statement in that statement. He's simply saying, I don't, even when he says, I must be about my father's business, he's not speaking about Joseph, the carpenter. Um, I think he's, he had, he operated in this place of my beingness is not rooted in my human story. It goes beyond even my birth. And I think like, can we do that? Well, first I, I, my perception is that we are like Jesus in every way as the scriptures even say. So could we also say before such and such, I am before my birth, I am before my birthday, before my mother conceived me, I am. Can we say that? And I believe we can, but I'm curious as to hear your process on that. Yeah. And so I would never be so arrogant to say that I know the um, whole journey of the soul or that God is limited by uh, having us live only once here on earth. So I believe that the earth is a great learning camp and we come and we have lessons to learn. And if we don't learn them, I I don't subscribe to um, hell as a philosophy or as a place that anyone goes. Uh, I believe that we get to come back and we get to try again and we get to learn the lessons. The lessons that are the hardest for us to learn are most likely the ones we've been working at for a long time. And I don't know about all of you, but I'm sick of learning those lessons. I am ready for new ones. I'm ready for new ones. I want new ones to learn. And the, the journey of the soul that God has that, you know, totally taken care of. Like I, I can just take that off of my radar. Um, and that after this human life, you know, I may choose, God may choose, we may choose together. I can come back and I get to do this again, learn something new, have a new experience. And so when we look at the when we look at early scriptures, some of the ones that Jamal just pointed out, but we do see that there are a lot of references to the soul existing before and after and in many incarnations of this particular human life throughout um, early Judaism and early Christianity. The kind of formal books that make it into scripture as we now know it have a little bit less of that, but we see that this was a huge topic of conversation. Um, and a huge assumption, actually, in a lot of early Christian circles. And so I think that's really fun. That's fascinating. And we should be continuing that conversation today. Ultimately, you know, is this a, is this a belief that's like necessary for Christians? No. Is it a fun one to play around with? Yeah, you bet. Let's get beyond the heaven and hell conversation. And let's talk about the souls and what's happening deep inside of us. Yeah, amen to that. I, I love that that you can have your beliefs. And, and I'm, I'm the same way. And, and hold them loosely and not be dogmatic about it. Because I'm the same way. I mean, like I know Origen talked about the preexistence of the soul, and I know that in in early, um, you know, in, in Judaism and early Christianity, this was, a, if you want to use reincarnation as a loose term, it was something that was on the table. And I, I just, I think it's fascinating that most Christians, even if you entertain the idea, they kind of get repulsed. And I, and I'm to the place, and it sounds like you are too, where it's like, well, no, I think these conversations, whether we hold to them tightly or loosely. They should be conversations we have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, having having the conversation doesn't hurt anything, right? And if we're right. if we're fearful to have the conversation, then we're not making kind of progress on our on our own soul's journey. Um, and 
or hopefully our faith expands enough that we can entertain ideas, whether or not we adopt them or not. You know, it doesn't matter to me if anyone, if, if other Christians believe or don't believe in past lives, but have fun on the journey, have fun talking about it and pursuing it as, um, as a possibility. Yeah. Uh, so as someone who, um, I'm kind of on the fence on this thing, but I am also, I mean, I'm also very open to, you know, let's, let's talk about concepts and share ideas. So what, um, so let's say somebody wanted to say, okay, let's, let's entertain this possibility of, of past lives, uh, the preexistence of the soul and all that. What are the potential sort of benefits of, of that? Like, uh, I mean, in other words, does it add something to your faith journey? And if so, like what, what are some of the things that it could, uh, some ways that it could help? Yeah, I, I think it does help with our faith journey and it, it just helps with our understanding of why in the world am I in this family? Why in the world am I in this situation in life? Um, and when we can do some work to activate those memories, and those could come in lots of different forms. They can come through meditation. They can come spontaneously. They can come through some kind of formal um, med- meditative regression. They can help us understand why we've made certain choices and sometimes why we feel attached to particular people. Like if we're in a love-hate relationship with someone, what's going on? Well, having a past life memory can kind of explain some of that and help us um, be fully integrated with the relationships we do have. Generally, we're only going to remember things that we need now that will help us now. So we don't have to remember everything that's ever happened to our soul. We're going to remember the things that are impacting us the most right now and just help us live the most full life that we can. Uh, to me, uh, this you know this particular aspect of metaphysics, and there's a lot help bolster my understanding that God is a God of infinite love, of infinite possibilities, and of infinite grace. Cool. You know, we can we can screw it up so many times, so many ways. None of us are perfect. That's part of the learning. And then we get to try over many lifetimes um, to live, to become as much like Christ as we possibly can. Wow. So so if I understand what you're saying, there's there's no there's not necessarily at least the way you're saying it's not necessarily sort of um critical for our spiritual development that we have to have some awareness of our past life necessarily in other words i could i could come to the end of my faith journey and however many incarnations i may go through and still reach whatever that is i'm supposed to reach perfection nirvana whatever we want to call that and 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 not ever have realized oh hey i had a past experience Oh, definitely. Um, the, the soul knows the soul knows what it needs to learn. And as long as we're open to learning it and having those experiences, I think we're all golden. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it, some, you know, Nirvana or whatever, you know, different traditions call it, but Christians would call it sanctification. And I think it's the same idea of like, sometimes these, and correct me if I'm wrong, Katie, I, I think like having a connection to why we have this struggle or have a certain disposition in life or have a certain dynamic with a relational dynamic. It like, like for example, I'll give you an, I thought this was, I thought I would share this with you because it was really, when you were on my podcast, you talked about, you made, you kind of dropped a little hint of like birthmarks being. Kind yes. Of a, uh, uh, okay. Somebody who has a birthmark um, can be, you know, this can be an indication of something you've experienced from a former incarnation, which was just a very new idea. I've never heard that before. Um, and then there was a listener who listened to that. And uh, contacted me and said, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that because I have a birthmark and on my 
you know, I, she won't mind. I won't mention her name just in case they haven't got her permission. But she said, I have a birthmark on my leg. And she's my, my daughter also has a birthmark on her leg and in the same, the similar area. And she said, you know, I've always felt connected to this idea of reformation or challenging the religious uh, status quo. And um, I realized someone told me, my one of my relatives or my grandmother told me that, you know, f- several generations ago in somewhere in the UK, Scotland or Ireland, one of those places, that her ancestors were also involved in, you know, uh, challenging religious ideas and sharing unconventional spiritual teachings. And they burned her at the stake and they burnt and they started with her legs and kind of just burned her wow. <laughs> alive. And um, so she listened to the podcast that I had you on. And the next, that night after the listening to that podcast, her little girl woke up little girl's like three or four years old and said, mommy, and just scared and woke up and said, hey, you know, tell me what your dream was. And said, well, well I had dream that someone was putting fire on my legs and it just like connected for her. Like, wow, this struggle that several generations back of challenging the religious status quo and helping people break free from repressive religious thinking that my ancestors were persecuted and died for is actually something I've always felt connected to. And then to see that birthmark in her leg and then her daughter has it and her daughter had this dream about like totally connected all the dots. Like after listening to that, I just thought for her, now some people could look at that and pick that apart and say, that doesn't mean anything. But for her, this had deep spiritual significance. And I think that's maybe an example, but I mean, isn't that, am I off base on that? Or isn't that, was that kind of what you're saying here? Oh my gosh. That's an, how amazing. And um, yeah, no, I, lo- I love that. And she's there. They'll be able now to let go of some kind of ancestral pattern that's been, I'm shaping them maybe, or, you know, just integrate any, any fear-based stuff that's been lingering, you know, lingering across their souls and their like literally in their bodies and move on to something new. And now they live in a time and a place where, yeah, we do have, we do have heresy. We're all here for, for a reason because some rejection um, from mainline, you know, mainline religious beliefs. Um, But we also live in a place where we can speak freely and we can do all, do all of this work and um, really kind of elevate uh, human consciousness in this way. And and that's exactly what I think your podcast is all doing. So thank you all very much for uh, engaging in this kind of work. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Well, and I guess the second question we want to pose and we like to pose to our our guests is, is how has this journey of, of, of being, you know, this deconstruction, how has it uh, affected you? How has it personally, what has been your process of deconstructing out of the traditional religious thinking to, to really embracing some of these ideas that you're you're now uh, teaching. Yeah, so it's such an interesting question for me. I grew up um, um, mainline Protestant, but also in a heavily um, informed evangelical cultural setting, where it was very common. You know, Christians all around. When were you saved? People would kind of tell their story. You know, There's a lot of uh, altar call um, culture. You know, where where I was growing up in my high school. And I participated in that some, and some some I resisted all at the same time. For me, when I took my first New Testament class and we started deconstructing the Bible, I was alarmed but thrilled all at the same time. I thought it was the best thing and the worst thing. Um, and so that process happened for me really in the classroom. And um, I'm, I'm super logic-brained, uh, despite my love for metaphysics. I have to actually work to be able to um, allow my kind of thinking brain, thinking brain to relax enough to enter into meditative states. And um, for me, the journey really began from there. And so now I assist people who are doing this deconstruction process. 
And uh, I love I love doing that. I'm engaging people who are coming from really fear based religious backgrounds, Christian backgrounds. I've been there. I was certainly part of part of that culture, part of that milieu when I was uh, an adolescent and young adult. And for me, the deconstruction, the deconstruction has been done now for me for quite a number of years. And it's just total joy and freedom for me because I can incorporate the best of the Christian tradition. Uh, I'm an ordained minister. I've pastored in churches. I attend, you know, I attend First Christian Church here. Um, First Christian Church, I hope that's okay. That I just mentioned you out loud on this podcast. No, and not every <laughs> Right. You're going to be flooded I'm with visitors. <laughs> you know, not everyone in that church. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get what I'm doing, but they're very warm and loving and accepting and they trust me and I trust them. So we get to take the best of the Christian tradition and uh, the freedom and grace that's offered within the tradition and separate it from the dogma that doesn't serve us anymore. So for me, this journey has been one of freedom and I'm always, I'm always getting rid of old beliefs that don't serve me and moving into new ones. You know, I think that's part of the human process. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, it's, yeah, it's so important to mention that. Sorry, Keith. Um, no, no, real quick, not. like I, I think I think if our if our beliefs don't serve us, then maybe they're not great beliefs. Right. That's yeah. all. And I, I was just going to say, I think that's most of our listeners are very familiar with that. I mean, once you start the deconstruction process, wherever you're at, whether you've just started that or whether it's something you've been doing for like me, like for the last you know 15 years or so, um, yeah, you're very familiar with that idea. And when I think that the more you do it, hopefully, the easier it becomes to just you give yourself permission to say. This isn't serving me. This is, or, or this is based in fear. Um, this is about, this is about people trying to control me. And, um, and then the more you do it, I think, like I said, the easier it becomes so that it's sort of like when you encounter another belief system or another idea that you recognize probably isn't true or probably isn't as true as you thought it was, or, or, hey, there might be an alternative way of looking at the same idea. You just kind of give yourself more permission and freedom to say, well, let me entertain that. Let me, let me explore that. You don't feel that there's someone looking over your shoulder, you don't feel like the hammer's going to come down on you, and uh, you know God's not going to smite you or squash you or something because you know, how dare you question? Yeah, I, absolutely. The first time is the hardest for anyone who's just starting this process, and like Keith said, it get for me it get got much easier. And now it happens not over years, but over you know days yeah. or hours sometimes when I discover a belief that's not serving that's not serving me, and if it's not serving me, it's not yeah, serving others absolutely. either. Yeah, very true. Well, so um, how I'm just curious um, in your now that you have deconstructed so far and, and you're probably a lot farther than I know you are than I am <laughs> on certain things. So I'm just curious um, the kind of reactions you've gotten. I mean, have you gotten some negative reactions from family or friends? Are there people who sort of are Christians who are shocked to find out you're open to some things that they're not open to? And 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 if so, how do you deal with that? Oh, sure. You know, I have the benefit of living in California, um, where it's a little it's a little easier to find right. a tribe of like minded people. Um, Matt, I don't know if you found that to be the case or not uh, uh, here in Northern California. Um, my- well, I'm from I'm from I'm from Paradise, so not really. No, okay, <laughs> right. Um, for me, yeah, people object. Sure, uh, all the time, especially on social media because I'm very public. I'm I'm out there. I'm, running groups, I'm, you know, making statements. Um, so, you know, just this morning, I was navigating some things on Facebook and just 
leaving comments of people who are being hateful. So sure, people resist all the time. The stronger someone's resistance is, the more I absolutely know that they need this work. Um, Hands down, uh, hands down. My family, I don't, I think a lot of them don't get what I do. And they're kind of like, oh, there's Katie talking about energy again. Okay, are you coming home for Thanksgiving or not? Yeah. (laughs) And and some family members who are actually really into it. I think had this been 15, if we were having this conversation 15 or 20 years ago, there would probably be a lot more resistance um, to my, the communities that I was operating operating in at that time. Now, I think the funniest thing is when I go to an academic conference and people will ask what I'm doing and inevitably um, my my fellow academics will ask me, are you job searching? And I say, no, I absolutely love what I do right now. I'm not job searching at all. I get to I get to coach people and help people in their spiritual lives and um, do all this education uh, on my, you know, in my own way. And they kind of look at me shocked and they ask what I teach and then I tell them and they go, okay. And they kind of yeah. Go have coffee. And so they, I would say for in my life right now, there's a lot of people who don't get it and a lot of resistance from strangers who can really hide behind social media and kind of say hateful things. And that doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. Well, Katie, Katie, this has been such an awesome conversation and we're so blessed that you joined us for uh, Heritage Happy Hour. Um, how can people, if they want to keep following you and hear more about what, you, what you're doing and what you have to say, um, you know, are there any projects you're working on, things that, that they can follow online or how they how can people get in touch? The, the best way to get in touch with me is just through my website. And so it's www.katyvalentine, and that's K-A-T-Y, K-A-T-Y valentine.com. If you type in another spelling of Katie Valentine, you're going to find some porn stars. So just <laughs> letting you know. <laughs> hey. Don't do that first and then go to yours. Hold on, hold on. So, wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's a it's 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 a beautiful last name, but it does lend itself to uh, to lots of different kinds of work. And so, yeah, it gives katievalentine.com. Uh, if people want to join my Facebook group, it's the Metaphysical Christians. You can just type that into uh, Facebook search and I'm the only one. It'll pop up. And, you know, from there, you'll find out all my offerings. I have I have different classes that come up. I'm in the middle of a Bible study right now. People could uh, hop into that if they you know if they get this. And you can just see all the offerings I have. I would love it if people reach out, reach out anytime. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I hope our listeners awesome. do that. So I know Katie, K-A-T-I-E Valentine's probably getting a little bump. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, hopefully your site does too. I, I, I hope your site does too. And, you know, I'm sex positive. It's all good. There's, 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 enough, there's enough room for all the Katie Valentines in the world. God is abundant in this place. Yes, roll into it right in the waters, races <laughs> all boats, right? So. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks, Katie. Thank well, you for thank having me. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Wow. Wow. Dr. Katie Valentine. How cool. I, I'm actually, uh, I'm glad we got connected with her. I'm a, I'm a fan of her. Yeah. And, and now that the show's actually coming out, I'm going to have to hang out with her cause she is from Chico and we haven't yet got to have coffee. So, uh, Gonna be looking forward to that because she she was a she was a very good guest. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, mm. super cool. Super yeah, super. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. That was great. Yeah. So, uh, what is our topic today? Does anybody know? Uh, I've already forgotten. <laughs> you what forgot already. It? What was this about? Hold on, let me look at the damn, damn potheads. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, reincarnation. Reincarnation. Yes. Well, 
and again, you know, this is one of these things where, uh, as the as the uh, person who texted us, you know, uh, asked the question, we actually have gotten questions like this a lot. This is one of the reasons why we've been excited about doing a whole series on just the metaphysical, because these are the kinds of questions I, I know people really uh, want us to talk about and want have been waiting for us to do a podcast on this topic. And so here we are, finally, reincarnation, guys. Um, should we just go around and briefly just kind of say where we where we land on this topic and what we personally think about it? Yeah, let's do a roundtable. Who's going first? Jamal. Jamal, I nominate the. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I have enough. I don't. I'm, I'm struggling here. Um, no, not you. You never come struggle. On. Come on. Come well, on. Spit it out. Well, first of all, I don't even I think. So we talk about reincarnation. But I actually don't even believe in incarnation. It really. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, whoa. like the Bible. This doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I think it's a it's an illusion. So what's so, the reality? The reality is that there's nothing incarnate. Oh, th- so physical matter like it doesn't exist? Not really. Oh wow. So, Boy, you now you're really bending my brain. Okay. Okay. Well, well, <laughs> okay. 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 Well, there's a couple of angles we can go. I mean, I don't want to like this is this could be a longer thing. Incarnation itself, though, like we know this at the quantum level, that all physical matter has an appearance of solidity and that it exists. We know this at one level, but when you look at it close enough, small enough, when you look at anything physical, including our bodies, we will discover that our bodies are made up of you know cells, and then you keep getting smaller. You know, we get down to the atom level, you get smaller, you get down to the the, the, the nucleus, electrons, protons, you get down smaller, you get quarks, you get down smaller. Eventually, if you get small enough, it's empty space and it's light and sound energy, which has no form. Now, at, I understand at this, at this dimension, it, we have an appearance of form, but it actually doesn't exist in that nature. So the body itself is a construct just like we talked about light has no substance light is made up of photons photons are absolutely substanceless and formless they cannot be seen yet we see it so at some level this is an illusion so the body itself material reality itself is an illusion it is a necessary illusion giving us this experience so that's i I could say more about that but i'll just leave it at that that's one thing so incarnation is an illusion (laughs) at some level now, the other thing where I think we have problems is we were taught, we've been taught erroneously that the body, so we, we have an idea that, okay, I, ha- I am my body, my soul lives inside of my body, and then if you believe the right things or God is with you or something, then, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of your body. This is fundamentally incorrect. There is no soul in the body. There is no spirit that lives in the body. This is fundamentally a, 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 it's a primitive, archaic uh, misconception of how reality works. And we know this now. So that's, how, that's why I think I have a problem with this whole, it becomes very difficult to, um, becomes very difficult to talk about reincarnation if we don't understand how things work. So I, I honestly think that's where the problem is. There is no soul in the body. I, and I can prove it to you, but I don't know. I mean, I have a story that can prove it, but. Well, I have to <laughs> save that. Let's save that for Patreon. 
There you go. You can, right. I want to hear that story in Patreon. So if people want to listen to that story, you got to sign up. There you go. Well, um, I, I, um, I honestly, I'm trying to keep up with where Jamal's going on that. Uh, I kind of think I might, might sort of know, but um, I can. I'm not going to try and guess. Well, well, I mean, what I'm saying is, like, is there, is there a, such a thing as a soul that lives inside the body? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't personally. I don't personally think so. I, I don't think they've like found that scientifically. And I think if we we're going to talk about the soul, why would it be contained to the body? I, I don't. Well, that's the thing. Well, well, no. I mean, I. I think. Let me just play devil's advocate here. Like, I. I. I agree. Maybe scientifically, you know, it's not a scientific question or a provable scientific thing to say. Like, you know, no one has a soul meter to measure souls or detect souls or that kind of a thing. However, I think, and maybe this is more of a philosophical conversation, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, you kind of get into this sort of argument of like, uh, like, are we our bodies? Like, are, what, what am I? Like, who am I? Am I my body? Uh, am I just my, am I a bunch of cells? Or am I my brain? Um, when I think they're actually... Um, and I don't want to get into huge philosophical, you know, weeds, but I mean, I feel like that philosophically we can say that our being and our essence transcends our bodies, transcends our physical brain. Um, that you know, so if you're trying to locate yourself, you know, I don't think you're necessarily your body. You're not necessarily your brain. Um, that there is some other thing. And I mean, whether you call it a soul or a spirit or whatever, uh, I I personally do think that we are souls and that we have, that we inhabit bodies um, and that, you know, that when we die, our soul would continue to exist. But that's just kind of where I, I guess where I'm coming from. And then, yeah, and then I, I, the reincarnation part of it, like then do we believe that right. after you die, and your soul continues out you know, after this particular body is dead. Do you eventually come back and inhabit another body? And that that would be yeah. And that's the question, right? Like, I mean, either either we can have Jamal's view, or you can, I think, have the view that um, there is a soul in the body. But regardless, I think the question that people are interested in um, is: Let's say once we die, do we think? that we have this sort of experience after or in some different way or in some sa- in some similar way um do we do we live out a, a, another existence of death and decay and pain and sorrow and joy and whatever this life is uh, on a, on an earth planet like this do right. do you know regardless of uh the metaphysics of how that works do we think that there is an experience like this life just played out through a different body, through a different subjective experience in a different place in time or however that works. Yeah. I would say, I don't know, <laughs> but let's talk about it. I mean, this is what we're supposed to talk about on the podcast is the sort of the, uh, the theory of it. Do we think it's something that could be true? Is it possible um, or not? Um, you know, that, that to me, I think is what, what the topic is, right? We, we're, we're right. I, I mean, I, I don't think we can, we can't, we can't say it's not possible. I mean, I, I think it'd be kind of arrogant to say it's not possible. Right. No, no. And that, and that's a good point. Like uh, rather than discuss whether we can prove it, I don't think we can prove it. 
um, or we can say whether we believe it. But I think to take the other position to kind of flip that coin around to say, well, um, whether we believe it or not, can we really rule out the possibility of it? When I would say, I think even from a completely uh, Christian standpoint, you can't rule it out. You know, um, I know a lot of Christians would disagree with that, of course. But um, I think if you make certain assumptions that Christianity makes about the universe and reality and souls and bodies and spirits and those kinds of things, um, you can't say it's impossible. You can say, I don't believe it, but I don't know that you could say it can't happen. Right. What's well, been happening? It's been happening. So I think the reason Christian, and this is just my understanding, reincarnation in that classical term has been happening our whole life. So in our, even in our own limited life, it's been happening. So with, with a lot of Christians, Christians say they don't believe in reincarnation because they're believing in the illusion that we exist in our body, that we have, that most Christians are body identified. That's why they talk about life after death. That's why it's, it's like, it's like, well, wait a minute. There is no death when you understand that you are not your body, but most Christians don't understand that we're not our body because the human delusion is that we are body identified. We have lost awareness of ourself. And this is why Jesus, when Jesus would refer to himself beyond the body, we now have, there's doctrines formed that say, well, that's Jesus speaking of his, he's unique in his divinity because he says before Abraham was born, I am, which basically says he has an, an essence that goes beyond before even his birth, not after Christians will talk about, yeah, we go on after, but he said I existed before. And then when they tried to kill him, he says, look, I'm just saying this is true of all of us. He actually said that. He actually said that. Like it, he's like, well, you being a a man, make yourself out to be God, like God, because God is the only one in the Jewish theology that was preexistent and you know timeless and that kind of thing. And he goes, no, no, the scripture says this about all of us. We're all gods. So this is not a stretch when we are not identified with the body. But the other thing is, I always tell people is like, if you ever look at your picture when you were a baby, do you ever just get a baby picture out of yourself? Do you think that body's here today? It's not even here. It's not even remotely here. That died a long time ago. And you have a completely new body, yet you are the same person, right? Yeah. Isn't it true? Um, I know where you're going with this. Isn't it true? I, and I don't remember the exact number, but I think it's like every seven years, yeah. every single cell in your body dies and replace, is replaced by a different cell. So basically, every, every seven years, you are a completely 100% different person. Totally. Because all those cells that were you seven years ago have totally. died. It's sort of like saying, it's like saying if I bought, if I told you, like, if you came to my house and I had this antique table and you said, oh, I love that antique table. Where'd you get it? Well, I bought it from the antique store. But what the first thing I did was I replaced all four legs. I put new legs on there and then I replaced the top. Hmm. Yeah, but it's an antique table. It's the same one I bought. No, it's not because you just replaced all four legs on the table. And that's kind of what happens with every cell in your body it dies and replaced by another cell. Like, uh, exactly. You're, you are a, you are a different physical person. But again, that's assuming physically that you are your physical body. I would say I'm not my physical body. So well, even though I've had different incarnations, I, I, I get what you're saying about that. Like I'm not the, yeah. I'm not at the body I was when I was eight not years a, old. That body is isn't it, and It's interesting. You can learn to ride a bike at five or six years old, seven years old, whatever. And even though every, and people talk about muscle memory or whatever, you know, but every cell in your body is gone, yet you still remember. Right. So it, yeah. it's freaky because at the consciousness level, even the person was like, even wants to know who they are. Like, well, who's asking the question? You know, it's like, well, who am I? 
you know, who's asking the question? It's this, it's this sense of this awareness that goes way beyond and the body dies and was reborn many times, uh, even in our lifetime. So if we're going to limit it to this, this particular lifetime, then that's interesting. That's just a, maybe it, that's just because that's what we have experience with, but the principle of death and rebirth is happening constantly at a biological level. Uh, it's yeah. not a stretch. That's a, I mean, that, uh, that's a good um, indicator that maybe this is how this works when we talk about the, the traditional notion of reincarnation. I think with, with how I understand the fact that I, I'm not my body, I, I have a body at this time and, and I'm sitting here using my arms and things like that. Um, but, but I am not my body. Therefore, um, I, I do believe that when this body like dies, dies and the heart that is in my chest stops beating, there's nothing in my theology or, um, worldview that says I, who I really am will cease to be. Um, so why not live another experience in a different body at some point? Especially like the point you just made, like we have a different body from seven years ago, literally every cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I, can I say, I mean, I'm totally tracking with everything, but I'm my, my question would be, um, do, so it, does my existence, however, require that it be expressed in a physical body somewhere? Like, I, I'm not saying again that that's not true or possible uh, moving forward, but I mean, it. I would, I would also then say it's just as possible that when I, when my body dies, uh, that I'm in currently and, it, and it's no longer breathing and moving and walking around and responding to, uh, the me that's within it, the, the me that's really me could, could continue to exist. I would, I would argue does it continue to exist with outside of a body and, and so do I need to enter another body down the road somewhere? Like, is that always part of the process? Is it sort of optional? Um, and again, now, now you get into some of the different theories, I think, of um, of reincarnation. Because like, there are different traditions, right? That's, what, yeah, that's uh, when you get in samsara, which is the Eastern Hindu and yeah. Buddhist. And eventually it's a wheel. You know, so think of a wheel and we, we're on and off until we become enlightened. Uh, the Jews, right. some th- large threads of Judaism would say, until we uh, fulfill all 613 of the laws, then then we're done with reincarnation. I mean, what does this do for the resurrection? You know, is there an end game to all this? I, I, God, I fuck right. if I know. <laughs> right, but, but again, I mean, I think what's interesting is to think like, what if, again, assuming, let's just, we're talking in, in what ifs here, right? We're, we're, we're just playing a game of like, well, if this is real, let's, let's suppose reincarnation is some real mechanism in the universe and we are participating in it. Um, so you asked about what does this mean for resurrection? Well, I mean, maybe this is part of the resurrection. Maybe again, if our souls are undergoing, uh, thank you. If our souls are undergoing this process of growing and learning and developing and reaching some uh, spiritual enlightenment, which again, I hope I am. I I would like to believe I'm reaching some levels of spiritual uh, enlightenment as I'm living my life here. And, um, and, but again, so in some ways, maybe this could be, um, like that, the concept of resurrection, I don't think necessarily assumes uh, that reincarnation isn't true. In some ways, I'm, the, the, in other words, I'm not my body, 
So if uh, if this body dies and I you know I show up again later on in another physical body down the road, how is that not a resurrection? It's, I'm still me. I'm just in another body. Yeah. And when when our body died here in this life and it the cells regenerated and it looks different, but it's still us, isn't that the resurrection as well? And at some in yeah. some form. I here's what I find to be really interesting to go. I think I think this is a controversial topic for for folks, especially, you know, coming from the evangelical background, is because it is unnerving to to have your ground of being kind of shaken in the sense of because we're so identified with the body, the human body, physical body, that when we suggest that our life may transcend it, um, it does feel like, whoa, this is this is too much. It feels scary almost. But, you know, I, I just think that's the degree to which we've been um, kind of brainwashed with this illusion um, of body identification, you know, and this is, this is a product of modern modernity, you know, that, that is all about the sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, like all of those things are what's real, the scientific method. And even, you know, like neuroscience, um, most most in no, most neuroscience, they would teach, and they used to teach this that the brain was the creator of consciousness, of beingness. That this was a construct of the brain, in the same way like a pancreas would secrete insulin, the brain secretes consciousness. And they did all these studies. I remember, like early on, reading about these studies with uh, um, with neurosurgery, and they had this doctor, and this was like early on in neurosurgery when they were experimenting in neurosurgery where, you know, you could be awake and they could do surgery in your brain and there's no nerve endings in the brain. So you could be totally awake and they would make this lady like move her arm up and down and they would ask her, are you moving your arm? She was like, no, I, I do feel it moving. I see that's moving, but I'm not doing it. And the doctor was like, that's because I'm, I'm, I'm manipulating the, ner- the, the nerve in the motor area of the brain. I'm making your arm move. And he was studying, mapping out the brain, the electrical impulses that would fire and how it would go down to the nerves and make the arm. They were just mapping out everything. And he would ask her, he would say, there was this experiment where he was saying, look, would you take control of your arm mid, like as I'm moving your arm, would you take control of it? And as she would take control of it, he was looking for the, the place where she she was at like where is the is the will because he could he can map out the biologic process of how the arm is moving but he said if the brain is the creator of consciousness we could find it in the brain when she first decides to take control of the arm they did all these experiments on lots of different people and they trying to find it and he came to this conclusion way back when and he said this was when typewriters were prevalent he said the brain is like a typewriter. It's like you can see the keys being pushed you can see the you know the 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 mechanics of how the the letters get put on the page. He said, but there has to be somebody sitting, punching the keys. And he goes, that person punching the keys of the typewriter, basically the person operating our brain, which is the consciousness. It's not in the body anywhere to be found. Right. Right. No, there's many, many conversations and and experiments and, and even philosophical things about that, that I like, for example, if someone has brain damage, right. And they, 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 experience either severe brain damage or mild brain damage. Um, maybe they can't talk, they can't move, they can't express themselves the way they used to through their body or through their language or communication, but they are still who, what makes them, them is still 100% intact. It's just not able to make itself known or to express that person, the person that's actually, so the question when he, this doctor was like, yeah, the person is not there it's not in the body the consciousness operating the brain is not in the body then the, then that brings up the question then like well where are you 
Because if you're not mm-hmm. in your body, where are you? That's that. So that what that does is it shows us this thing that we've been conditioned to think like you live inside your body is really an illusion. <laughs> and again, so when you lose the body, it's not a it's not like this shock to the system to go, oh, my gosh, do I go on? Or, oh my gosh, is there life beyond this? Or was there life before it? It's like, no, you recognize you've never been in it. It's just like there's no music in a radio. There's no people in a TV. There's no you in the body. Your body is broadcasting your essence, but it is that's not where you are. So the location of you, obviously, Paul would say you are seated in Christ, right? At the right hand of God. But where is that? It's, it's not in your body. It's like the matrix is plugged into some shit, man. Totally. It's totally a matrix. Yeah. Well, it's even, I think to the point of, um, and then we get into like quantum stuff, which I love, you know, it's sort of like to ask the question, where am I? Or, you know, to locate yourself. It's sort of like, I think you're asking the wrong question. It's not, it's not a question of grids or, you know, uh, longitude and latitude on a map somewhere. In other words, it's, it just is. You are. Yep, you are. And which is I am. Like, uh, yeah. So to locate me, uh, you know, maybe it's the wrong question to ask to say, am I located in some physical, am am I limited to some physical uh, reality or position? What is like in space and time? Where is the source of me? And I think, I think we've been conditioned to see the source of me is my body. And that's, that's the, that's the fallacy. And that's what, and that's also where we get shaken. That's where we get really unnerved. It's like the rug gets pulled out from underneath us. That's why death is so obviously in this realm. We death is is definitely a tragic thing. I mean, it, it feels like loss. I'm not negating that, but at at the, but another level, there it really isn't a loss of life or beingness. It's just a loss of a way of interacting. But the beingness itself, and then therefore, like, I mean, what do you do? I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but I've actually had memories that do not fit this life I've lived. They don't fit it. There's no context for it, but there are memories I've experienced. Familiar, like a sense of real familiarity with circuit. Like I've actually have visions of like, inner, like things like I, I can, there's things I could tell you about like that. I'm like, this is like a memory that I have had and I don't know where it comes from. Is that like, uh, no, I, like deja vu, but, but more, uh, yeah. Lucid. Well, I've had Vuja day. I have Vuja day. It's the feeling that this has never, ever happened to me before. That's so weird. Oh my God. Yes. That's well, weird. well, thanks for listening folks. Hey, um, thanks everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> 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 no, but I mean like, like, have, have, I mean, you guys have probably heard there's many, many accounts of this where when somebody will be, in hypnosis, under hypnosis, they, you know, you can, t- I mean, obviously hypnosis is, it's fairly common. I mean, it's not like a new thing that's been around for a long time and it's ability to tap into somebody's subconscious where you can remember very detailed memories of your life that you can't access with your conscious mind. And so they've done the, there's so many studies where folks would under hypnosis would be recalling past events of their life with incredible accuracy to things you would go, well, they shouldn't know that they were pretty young, but then when they come to find out, yeah, like people talked about, I mean, babies being born, describing they like a people, a, a person under hypnosis, many accounts of this, where they can describe the details of their own birth, what was going on in the room, who was there when there's no way they would know that consciously, but it's, it's actually very accurate, but then they keep going. They regress that even before birth, you start getting, people start having memories of whole other lifetimes. And when they, 
And, and you can look up, there's been folks that have had these other memories going before it's a regressive, you know, hypnotherapy where you go before birth and you get into these other lifetimes. And when you start doing research, like names, accounts, things that were going on, I mean, totally line up with historical records of different people. And it's like, what, what is that? You're tapping into the conscious of it's pretty freaky. Yeah. Now I've never had that myself, but I will say, and I'm, and I'm going to share this story. Um, as someone who's frankly, pretty much mostly skeptical, I just want to say just right up front, I'm a little skeptical on some of these stories. However, there was one particular story that I came across a few years ago as it was a kid. I was an 11 year old boy, uh, from here in the States. His name was James, um, Leininger, I think it was something like that. And you can, you can look it up, Google it. Um, 11 year old boy, James, uh, Leininger. Uh, and, uh, he from a very young age would have like nightmares about drowning and about he would feel like he was in this cold water uh he was always fascinated with like um uh airplanes and stuff world war ii airplanes and he actually knew as a kid i mean we're talking like eight nine ten years old uh he just knew incredible details about world war ii and about these planes um and anyway he uh, he he would tell his parents that he was that he used to be a pilot and he was shot down. And I think the part of the story was he even took his family or took his mom and dad. He convinced them to take him to a particular place, uh, you know, in the ocean, I think off the coast of France or something. Um, and, uh, in the boat, like he said, okay, right here, this is it. Um, you know, my body is right here. My plane is right below me. And they searched and they freaking found an airplane with a body in it that he says was him. Like it was freaking crazy. Uh, and when you hear those kinds of stories and you think, okay, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm kind of skeptical and stuff like this, but this particular kid, I mean, from a very young age was, he was just like convinced and telling his mom and dad, like, no, I was a fighter pilot and I was shot down and, and I know where it was and you can, I'll take you to my body. And, and sure enough, they found it. Like, holy yep. crap, a moment. I heard a similar story. Uh, little yeah. boy in Texas uh, claimed to have lived before. He said he had come back and had memories of his former life. He was murdered, and it was an unsolved case. And this little boy, young boy, told the police all the details of where of where his body was buried and the other the man who died, who he says he is. And um, they 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 discovered his body all from a little boy. Yeah, you know, same thing. Yeah. Same thing. And I was listening to Logic's album, Everybody, and there's a skit at the start where the guy dies and he meets God, which is Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> and then it turns out turns out the guy was a slave owner. It was a black dude, but he was a slave owner in a past life, and he, they had this conversation about it. It's actually pretty cool. Um, I, it's, it's not real, but it's a skit. But, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Okay. I was going to say it. That sounds like a joke. But okay. No, but it's not a joke. But like, I think the point being is that like, what if we live these lives um, – of people that we either have been on one side of injustice and then on the other. And then, you know, when we, when we get down with the whole thing, like when we're, when we're done with all these lives, it's like, do not judge is a little more literal. Like do you really don't judge because you used to be the dude you hate now. Well, so and, I think that, I think that's pretty, that's pretty fascinating to think about. Totally. And how would, how would God know what forgiveness is like? God wouldn't know what right. forgiveness is like. Uh, God wouldn't know what sex is like. God wouldn't know what love is like. God wouldn't know what chocolate tastes like unless there was for incarnation, the appearance of incarnation in which we could have this experience in, 
in this time frame. We, I firmly convinced that there is only one life uh, to quote our friend, Andre Raba, which I would agree when he says, God is not a being among other beings, but God is the ground and source of all being. If that is true, which I believe it to be true, if God is the ground and source of all being, that means God is not one one big man amongst all these other little people running around here. If there's really, in reality, only one ground and source of all being, then literally everything that we experience in incarnational reality is simply this consciousness trying to experience itself. And that's I would, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. Yeah. I'm waiting for the heresy button. I didn't hear any heresy button. We've gone if we if that's if that's not heresy, we've gone so far off the deep end that Ralph no longer. I mean, this is like Southern Baptist theology, isn't it? (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just kidding about that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it's fascinating. No, I mean, it it is fascinating, and I think this is what I love about our our podcast is that we can sit and and uh, talk about these kind of things together, and we don't feel any fear of like, well, I can't talk about that or can't say that, and like, you know, again. I'm sharing the story about this kid, as, as I said, as someone who's like, I'm not even totally convinced um, th- that this is something that is reality or that it's normal or that it is what's happening. I, but at the same time, I'm really fascinated in the possibility um, of, of like, who are we and, and you know, how, what is spirituality and how are we uh, expressing it and, and experiencing it and understanding it? Uh, how do we connect to God and to the universe and to one another? Uh, what, you know, because again, these theories are fascinating. And again, I I'm, honestly don't feel that, um, I, I mean, as I've looked at it, I've studied world religions and, and those kinds of things, and I've looked at uh, sort of the Buddhist idea of reincarnation, and I, I think there's problems with it. I, I think it doesn't really fully express something that I think really makes sense, but it doesn't mean that the concept uh, is wrong or that the concept isn't right. Uh, Again, a possibility. Totally. And where I think it can be helpful, you know, like, so, the, so I think, you know, at some point when people say, well, so what, what if it is true? What if it's not? Where, where our guests like Dr. Kitty Valentine, who we had on, you know, she talks and one of the part of her work, and I can attest this even in coaching work, you know, part of, I've seen so much healing people get free of limiting, you know, mindsets or just repetitive patterns. And usually the way into those breakthroughs is by becoming conscious of past experiences that have um, caused trauma or to limited us, you know? So it's remembering part. That's one of the reasons it's so powerful to remember. So Katie got Katie Valentine kind of goes up. She kind of takes that to another degree and, and says, well, that's not only healing for things that have happened to us that we might've repressed in this life, but it can go beyond this life, even to, you know, previous lifetimes. And like, when you start talking about generational trauma, and the ability to release generational tra- trauma. I mean, there's some things that will plague a person. People will come in, they'll have like this terror or fear or tendency to, you know, to, uh, to suffer in our life. And, you know, some of that could be very much rooted. And I think we would agree with this at some level. We can say, you know, um, you know, even children, grandchildren of folks who suffered in the Holocaust, it, some of this trauma is showing up at a, at the genetic level. Uh, these things called telomeres are actually have been altered by the Holocaust. And so some of this trauma is showing up two, three generations after. Well, energetically, if we, if we understand everything is energy, you know, at some level, what this energy of consciousness can come, you know, we can carry that from previous. If it goes on, if our consciousness is not dependent upon our body, 
for existence, then maybe this consciousness has had experiences prior to this body, this life, that, that it could actually be helpful if we become aware of where, what that's rooted in to release it and to move into greater forms of healing. That's a whole other conversation. But I think that's what this reincarnation conversation can, can lead us to, which could be helpful. That's just some thoughts I've had. Yeah. Good, good stuff. And, and, uh, you know, for the listeners, if you want to carry on this conversation and, and kick around ideas, um, that stem from this conversation, whether it's about reincarnation, whether it's about what Jamal was just talking about, um, we got a couple places for you. We have a, uh, a heretic happy hour podcast, Facebook group that you got to be a Patreon supporter. Um, so, so you got that option and then you got heresy after hours, which is loosely related to the show. And uh, you could just jump in there on Facebook and ask questions, kick around ideas with the community members in there. So that's a good resource for that. And make sure to check out our website because we're going to keep this metaphysical series going and all the updates and new episodes will be on heretichappyhour.com. Absolutely. And as my friend Matthew just said, um, for those of you who are jonesing for just a little more Heretic Happy Hour goodness, um, we have the Patreon page and you can go over there and um, for what is it like five dollars something like that a month? What's the, low, the lowest is two, two, two freaking bucks two. for two dollars a month. Not a day, not a, not a day, not a week, a month, two dollars a month. Come on, you've all got that. And just for two dollars a month, you get bonus interviews, bonus conversations, bonus podcasts, all, all kinds of awesome, cool, amazing stuff that you will unlock immediately. I mean, dozens, dozens, and dozens of things you will automatically get on day one when you sign up on the Patreon page, and it's just freaking awesome. So you got to go check it out, patreon.com slash Heretic Happy Hour. Yes, and also, um, I'd like to announce that we're on iTunes, and um, we can we can be rated. Mm. We're now open for rate to be rated and reviewed on iTunes. So let me encourage you guys, if you're listening please. to this, if you haven't done that, please do that. It makes a big difference. Yes, it does. Please rate us. But what about, no, what about Jesus saying, judge not? Isn't a rating well, a judgment? Mm. Well, but it's a positive well, Only if it's five stars. Well, that, that, that trombone goes nice with that banjo in the background. <laughs> That's pretty cool.